Hello and welcome to WSM, Winston Sports Media. My name is Robert Winston and on today's podcast I'm joined by special guest Entebeko Biela, also known as Bean. The man is very knowledgeable about world football and specifically the English Premier League. We talk about everything from the weekend's results that was and talk about the big issues of the world game. We'll be talking Liverpool, City v Hotspurs, the controversial VAR system, Chelsea v Leicester, Man United v Wolverhampton. Also, Bean gives his thoughts on Paul Pogba, which is quite interesting. Bean talks Arsenal briefly, and we talk about the league winner and relegation zones, followed by the rolling contenders and pretenders as the weeks move forward throughout the 1920 EPL campaign, and we finish it off with the conclusion of the show. So, sit back and relax for the next 45 minutes as WSM brings you Winnow and Bean talk EPL. Thanks for listening. Can you hear me, bro? And Tobacco, Biela. Yeah, how you doing? You there, mate? Yeah, good, man. Good, good mate. Hey, how you going, buddy? Yeah, good, bro. Having a pretty, pretty good day so far. Pretty relaxed. Beautiful weather out. Quite happy. And uh, how you doing? Oh, I'm good, mate. Uh, obviously, we're at uh, opposite ends of the scale, mate. Uh, in Melbourne here, it's local 8.49pm on Tuesday night. And obviously, yep. you're, uh, you're in Durban at the minute. Is that correct? In South Africa? Yeah, that's correct, bro. Just about um, 10 minutes before 1 o'clock, so just after midday. Beautiful day oh. out, man. Like, not a single cloud in the sky. It looks amazing. Oh, beautiful. Sun's out, guns out, mate. So uh, That's the one. Middle of winter. Great weather. Middle yeah. of winter. Good old 30-degree weather. <laughs> so, mate, uh, obviously, you've joined us for the uh, inaugural podcast. Uh, it's going to be the uh, Winnow and Bean Abroad, and we're going to be talking everything EPL. Uh, that's English Premier League soccer, mate. And obviously, me, me just to give the listeners a little bit of a briefing on Myself and Bean's relationship um, in Tobacco is his name and he's South African by nature. And uh, we met in Valencia in 2014, mate, and um, it was an honour and a privilege to meet you back then. We had very similar interests um, on our travels as uh, young fellows, mate, uh, globetrotting the world, doing the backpacker thing. And, um, yeah, mate, you've lived the uh, London lifestyle, so to speak, mate. So, uh, yeah, mate, obviously you're pretty, pretty – cluey kind of person about the English Premier League and um, you live that type of lifestyle, mate. So, yeah, just tell the viewers a little bit about yourself and uh, what you've been up to. Yeah, bro. I'm pretty much, yeah, quite a big fan of football, to be honest. I mean, I started supporting football since I was about, <clears throat> excuse me, since I was about six years old in South Africa. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I just grew up watching with my dad and my brother and all of that. And, um, yeah, when I grew old enough, I figured I really wanted to kind of spend some time out in the UK, um, really start, like, experiencing the culture and like going to games and all of that so yeah did a bit of traveling spent a time spent a bit of time out in the uk watched a few liverpool games um obviously i'm a big liverpool fan um did a bit of 
did a bit of traveling, visited a few stadiums, like really, really got into it. And yeah, just been pretty much following it almost religiously since I'm around 93, which is a bit mad when you think about it. But yeah. 93, mate. Uh, yeah, it's a long time ago now, mate. But no, that's fantastic, mate. And um, obviously you're a Reds fan, mate. And uh, what, do you think of, what do you think about the Reds at the minute? How do you think they're traveling? And are you happy with their progress so far this season? To be brutally honest, man, I think Liverpool is a really, really, really good football club. And I really like what's going on at Liverpool at the minute. Um, you know, we've had, I mean, obviously Liverpool being the most successful football club in English history, you know, has had some really, really glorious kind of moments and stuff. But I kind of feel these last two, three years since Jurgen Klopp's arrived has probably been the best I've seen from Liverpool in my time as a fan, which is really amazing to watch. You know, like you kind of see this and every time you watch Liverpool play, you feel confident that the boys are going to bring the results, that, you know, they're going to really perform the way they should. And it's pretty good, yeah. but I'm, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit worried about this season, though, to be honest, because... Um, you know, winning the Champions League does kind of bring on a bit of added pressure. You know, you're the big sculpt now. Everyone everyone wants to beat you. Everyone knows what Anfield is now, you know, especially seeing what Liverpool did to Barcelona at Anfield. Um, everyone knows what Anfield is. is everyone knows that playing Liverpool is going to be tough. So now you're the big sculpt that everyone wants. And um, yeah, it gets quite tough. And obviously now also winning the Champions League means you have a lot of extra competitions to play and it means you got to go away to um the club world cup in dubai not in dubai sorry in qatar in december which is an added extra games we had to play the super cup midweek which is added extra games and the fact that we didn't really add too much to the squad kind of worries me you know it makes me think you know it kind of makes me think you know is our squad big enough to cope with the extra games and you know last year we kind of did quite well managing the champions league as well as the premier league title race and we could have done an unprecedented double however i kind of think this Got some year, company there mate yeah yeah just just sitting outside i'm um, enjoying the weather um yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> as you as you do in south africa yeah, but, as um, you do, mate. Yeah, but I think I kind of think like last year we, we sacrificed the FA Cup and the and the Carabao Cup, so we sacrificed the domestic cups to kind of really give the Champions League a push, as well as to give the Premier League title race a push. But this year, I think we you don't really want to be giving trophies away. So no, that's right. Yeah, so I mean, like we're going to be pushing on the Premier League front, the FA Cup. We'd want to we're going to want to have a fairly decent run. Same with the Carabao Cup. We've got the Club World Cup and the Champions League, and we've already played two extra games in the. Community Shield, as well as the Super Cup. So it's, it's a bit worrying because it's a lot of football. Um, you know, it's a lot of football. Yes. And, and our, yeah, and our front threes, um, you know, they've also had a massive summer where Mo Salah played in the African Cup of Nations, Sadio Mane played in the African Cup of Nations, all the way through to the finals. Roberto Firmino, Allison played in the Copa America with Brazil the whole summer, you know, whereas the European players were kind of taking a rest, you know, whereas... A lot of other clubs had their big players resting, had their feet up, sitting on beaches in Italy, you know, and sitting on the Mediterranean, whereas Liverpool's main players were playing constant football throughout the summer. So it's just having had a rest, we've got more football. So it's a little bit worried, but trust Klopp, trust the boys. I reckon we're good enough. It's, it's interesting you just said that. Uh, Robert Firmino, he actually scored on the weekend, the 2-1 uh, result. Brilliant. Uh, that was huge, you know, uh, Sadio Mane got the um, got the opener right at right at uh, the death of half time at the forty five yeah. minute mark and um, that, that <laughs> what was a time. goal as well, mate! What a goal as well, bloody! It was a cracking, <laughs> cracking goal uh, that was. And then 
obviously, uh, Danny Ings equalised at the 80th, or sorry, should I say, Rob, Roberto Firmino at the 71 minute mark scored uh, two one up, uh, sorry, two nil up. Two and nil, and Danny, Danny Ings um, pulled one back, yeah. Pulled one back, mate. But so, what did you make? I mean, you've spoken about all, I mean, Liverpool. Clearly, you know, one of the top sides. But, you know, what did you actually just make of that particular performance on the weekend? You know, the, th- the thing is, you know, when, when the game started, I kind of said to myself, um, you know, that I'll be happy. I mean, obviously, with Liverpool, you always want to win the game, especially when you're competing against Manchester City. You always want to make sure that you're picking up maximum points because they're just a different animal. But, you know, I, I kind of said to the game, you know what, the fact that we'd played 120 minutes two days ago in Turkey... And then that game went on till about one in the morning, you know? And yep. then to fly back to England and then play away at Southampton, I was just like, just don't get beat today. First thing I was like, look, no matter what, let's just try and get a point. The first half was was tough. Um, so- yeah, but- forward. And, um, you know, it was, I was just, I was watching it and I was thinking, oh, we, we might drop some points here. You know, so I was just thinking, bloody hell, we just need to get away from this game. Get a point out of it, you know, not take too much damage. But Sadio Mane, fucking hell. What, what a footballer. I mean, that, that goal was... that he scores, that goal that he scores just shuts Southampton down. It completely did. The game, and then all of a sudden, Sadio Mane just out of the blue, just boom. I mean... What a performance. I mean, it's, it's a really, really tough, gritty performance. A really good win away from home. And a really good, well-organized side. So I'm quite happy with that, to be honest. Mate, you've, uh, you've given some great, great insight. You know, obviously, you know a fair bit about Liverpool. And, mate, and I know you've got the, the, the tattoo on your chest, mate. So that, that was great analysis uh, for, uh, for the Liverpool and Southampton game. But, um, obviously, it was a good away win. But we'll move on to Man City v Tottenham Hotspurs Spurs. it was a, it was um a two all draw uh yeah you could say city were p- probably the best side and possibly should have oh, won yeah. but the spurs to their credit they they've, they've uh, got a couple in the back of the onion net and you know goals through uh Eric Lamella and Lucas Mora uh helped them yeah, you know secure the two all draw mate so elaborate on that and t- tell me your thoughts on that game to be brutally honest, I mean, I, I don't really like Tottenham that much. I don't, I don't think, I think there's something about Tottenham that just, I think City were a lot better. I think City should have walked away from that game 4 5 6 no, the way they completely dominated that game. You know, when they yeah. score that first goal, you kind of think, okay, well, this is going to be another City performance. But out of the blue, out of um, yeah, through Raheem Sterling's first goal, you just watch it and you think, I mean, every time City go forward, and this is what kind of, um, you know, it makes me nervous being a Liverpool supporter. Obviously, the fact that we're competing against this Manchester City team. Whenever you watch them attack, you just think almost every attack is going to end up in the back of the net. And, um, you know, they've pushed forward. And, like, they scored that first goal. And you're thinking, all right, here comes a couple more. City are in control of this game. And out of the blue, Tottenham just pull one back, um, which I think kind of hit everyone by surprise. I mean, you can see how the goalkeeper kind of reacts to that as well when... um. When Lamela pushes forward with the ball, you can kind of see Edison's kind of wrong-footed. He's kind of maybe not expecting the shot and like maybe the defenders as well aren't expecting it. And 
it's a good it's a good goal to be honest. I mean, if you if you're going to beat Edison from from distance, it's going to be a good shot and goal. It's going to be a good goal. But I kind of think that goal kind of came from absolutely nowhere. Um, City were completely dominant. That second goal as well by um, Aguero is just. It just shows how Kevin De Bruyne is. He's he's untouchable at the minute. Like everything that Kevin De Bruyne does is pure gold. Well, and um, oh, I mean the, the assist that, that well, you, you're speculating yeah. about that. The, the assist for that goal was, I mean, oh, was I mean, if, if it was, I mean, if there, if there was such thing as a class above world class, that's the kind of <laughs> yeah. that's the kind of assist it was. It was just precision at its best, wasn't it? Oh yeah, and like Kevin De Bruyne is just he's something else to be honest and. And this is what worries me about, you know, the Premier League race and even the Champions League race is um, Man City last season um, kind of played a huge chunk of the season without Kevin De Bruyne and they still managed to win the league, albeit by one point. So now if they have Kevin De Bruyne back, it's gonna, that's only going to get harder. So um, yeah, that's it's right. just, it's going to get harder to topple them. I mean, like, obviously... Dreams of Liverpool to topple City and City to fall apart, but the way Kevin De Bruyne plays, the way that midfield works is just ridiculous. And it's kind of when you watch City play, you can kind of read, you know, you can kind of read their play and kind of what's going to happen. And you can always see it, but you can't do anything about it. You know, it's kind of like you knew that ball was coming in, you knew um, Aguero was going to run in and score that, but you can't do anything about it. And it's just that's how good they are, and it's 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 worrying, it's annoying. It's really annoying because, you know, you'd hope, you'd hope that City were a lot worse. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> de- 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 oh, oh, definitely. Mate. I understand what you're saying. I'm actually having a laugh with those birds behind you there. But, uh, um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that, mate. No, that's all right, mate. No, they're right. It's, it's great for the podcast. And, I mean, look. Like, what did you make of the VAR decision, mate? Like, VAR is something that's always controversial in the world game. You know, yeah. even, at, even at the FIFA World Cup. You know, I was there five years ago and there was a couple of decisions even at that particular World Cup uh, in Brazil that I attended that were so, so far in line. There was actually one goal that was disallowed and it was clearly over the line. So what do you make of the VAR and is it a good thing for the game, the world game that is? I mean, it's great that it took points away from City. (laughs) That's the only, like, I mean, when I watched it, I celebrated because it, it stopped City getting three points. But, I mean, that's such a stupid decision, if you ask me. Because, that, that, you know, the, free, the corner comes in, Laporte, and I think it's, um, is it Trip? Yeah, I think it's Trip and Laporte go for the ball. So you've got the Tottenham yep. defender, you know, you've got Tottenham defending going for the ball and you've got City attacking. It's, you know, the ball brushes Laporte's arm. It's not like, you know, he extends his arm and he actually commits a handball. The ball brushes his arm on the way to on the way to Gabriel Jesus. And to be honest, it's not helped any, it's not helped City out. It's not really given him an advantage because he's still, like Jesus still has a lot to do once he gets that ball. You know, he's got to get the ball. He's got to pull away. He's still got to kind of find that gap and he's still got to place it through a horde of defenders as well as the goalkeeper. So I think, I think calling that offside, I mean, I mean, yeah, calling that off for that handball is incredibly stupid. Um, it, it's going to ruin the game. I mean, it happened last week to Wolverhampton against um, Leicester. You know, <clears throat> um, even even the city's even city's goal in the Champions League against um, against Spurs for offside. I mean, that's questionable. Like, if you start if you start disallowing goals because someone's armpit, you know, is, is offside. I mean, it's a bit ridiculous. But I mean, at so the end is. of the day, as, yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, at the end of the day, like. I'm I'm happy because City don't get the points. 
Um, you know, so Liverpool are kind of two, you know, we're, we're two points clear of City at the minute. And to be honest, I mean, I know it's only August, but to beat this Manchester City side, you're going to need every single bit of help you can get along the line. So, um, yeah, if this VAR decision turns out to be the two points that, that you know, help us finish above City, then great. But I mean, I think the decision's stupid. Um, yeah, I get that. It's, it's kind of following the laws of the game and it's, you know, it's kind of... <clears throat> Excuse me. I get that. Yeah, it's following the laws of the game, and this is how it's written. So this is how it's being executed. However, I think I think it's really, really being pedantic, and it's really stupid to disallow a goal because of that. And the city players have every reason to be aggrieved about that and to be upset about it. But yeah, as I said, as a Liverpool fan, couldn't be happier. Certainly, mate. Uh, yeah, I, I do love the passion, mate. Um, it's uh, it's one of those things, as you say, it could come down to you know and. You know, the, uh, the chase to the title over the last few years is, is, I mean, there's been some amazing finishes, you know, in the oh, last mate, round. Like, so, so you just, I mean, like, you like never know if, these VAR decisions, how, how, how minute it might be at, at, at the current present time, but you just never yeah, know. I mean, I mean like, if, 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 you look, if you look at last season, right, it was decided, the league was decided by one point, which was City beating Liverpool when, in all actuality, we should have drawn that game, but because they, They've made a goal line clearance by 13 millimetres or whatever it is. City draw the game. So they've essentially won the league last season by 13 millimetres. The, the community shield this year was decided on penalties. So you know that City and Liverpool margins are going to be absolutely minute. You know, so, so, so absolutely everything that you can kind of get on your side against City, you've got to take it. You've got to absolutely take it. And it's a stupid decision to call that goal off. But as a Liverpool fan, you've got to take it every single day of the week. <laughs> I love it, mate. I absolutely love it. Now, look, we'll move on to the result um, from overnight, mate. Chelsea yeah. and Leicester. Obviously, uh, Leicester City were the fairy tale from a couple of years, three years ago. Yeah. Chelsea have been established, one, has been an established, you know, uh, total winner over many, many years. So, I mean, yeah, they've, they've won something like they've won something like fourteen trophies in the last sixteen years, so they are serial winners, definitely. They are there. I mean, just well, I'll drop them. I'll, I do actually follow Chelsea, not religiously like you, you do, uh, yeah. the Reds, but uh, mate, I, I do follow Chelsea and always check out Didier. Did back in the day, Didier Drogba was my favorite player, mate. I loved absolutely mate. class. Love that man. Uh, what a footballer. The Ivory Coast uh, striker, mate. He uh, brought that uh, bit of magic to the game, mate. And, Certainly a character too, mate, with a, with a great great smile and made the fans want to come week in, week out. But um, obviously I'm talking yeah. about past, the past there. But obviously, so so overnight, 1-1, one, one, uh, it was Mason Mount who opened the account yeah. for Chelsea. And then obviously Leicester were quite competitive in that game. And then uh, Wilfred Nardi, the DD, uh, yeah. scored the goal yeah. at the 67th well, minute, mate. So what did you make? What'd you make of that contest? Because, you know, on paper, you, you'd, you'd say Chelsea should have got the chocolates, but obviously they did well, uh, Leicester City, to go 1 1. It's a bit tough. It's a bit of a tough one because, you know, it's, it's at Stamford Bridge. So you'd always expect Chelsea to have too much for Leicester at home. However, <clears throat> Chelsea at the minute are kind of going through a massive transition. You know, um, they've lost Eden Hazard, who's arguably been one of the best players in the Premier League over the last five, six, seven years or however long he's been there. I don't really 
know the exact date he's arrived, but um, yeah, he's been one of the best players in the league. So to lose a player of that quality and that caliber and not be allowed to replace him is massive, you know? So, um, and also bringing in Frank Lampard, it's a sentimental decision because of who he is to Chelsea. It's maybe not the right one because I don't think he's ready. Um, I don't think any manager in the world gets a job that big after only one season's experience. Um, but yeah, obviously, um, yeah, I mean, the man's a legend. Um, so, so, he's, a, so, he's, I mean, a he's a favourite son. He's a favourite son of the Chelsea definitely. I yep. mean, I mean, I think I think Didier Drogba was voted Chelsea's best ever player, but I I'd say Frank Lampard hands down has to be Chelsea's greatest ever player. The man's absolutely amazing. So I, I do understand why they'd want to to kind of rush him into the job um, to kind of maybe change you know their outlook. But I think that that's kind of set them back a little bit because because you know by doing that they're probably going to have to have a season or two of indifferent results. I think I think Chelsea are going to struggle this season. They're going to struggle next season maybe even struggle the season after that. But if they stick with Frank, I think in the long term, yeah, they'll come good. Um, it'll be good to have Frank in a couple of years' time when, you know, five, six years' time when Steven Gerrard finally gets his experience and comes to Liverpool, you know, and like that'll be really, really exciting to see. But I think, um, anyway, it's going back to, to the game this weekend. Um, and I was watching it and like, like the first goal when Didi gets caught on the ball by Mason Mount for that first goal, you know, it's, it's a momentary lapse of concentration by Ndidi and Mount catches him off, scores the goal and, you know, it just shows it's the Premier League. You know, you can't, you can't switch off, like, not even for a split second. It's absolutely ridiculous. The level no, of, yeah, the level of football that these people, like, play is just absolutely ridiculous. You have to be operating at 100% or near to 100% for almost every single minute of the game. If you switch off, you're going to pay the ultimate price. And um, yeah, Leicester looked good. I think I think the first half Chelsea were kind of on top of it. Um, Leicester looked good though for the second half. And Didi was, you know, there was a perfect way for him to redeem himself by scoring the equaliser because I think he was pretty good that game. But he switched off for that one minute, got punished, got the ball taken off him, and then he scores the equaliser. So it's kind of it's kind of good. And I also think Madison though he had a golden chance to finish Chelsea off, and Leicester probably should have should have won that game. But yeah. one one's a one one's a fair result. I kind of think, um, considering given the fact that it was away at Stamford Bridge, um, you know, Leicester should be pretty happy with that. But I think Leicester's a good side. Um, even though they've lost Harry Maguire to Man United, I think I think they're a really good side. I think I think Brendan Rodgers is a good manager. You kind of know, I think he's. I mean, uh, I'm just trying to think of any. I think he's probably the best British manager in football at the moment. I can't think of a British manager at the moment. Yeah, at club football, who's probably managing at a higher level than Brendan Rodgers. Um, yeah, you could say Frank Lampard, but, you know, Rodgers has won the treble-treble with Celtic. Um, you know, he's managed at Liverpool. He's um, managing at a high level at, at Leicester. So I think at the moment, he's probably, yeah, the best British manager, him and Eddie Howe. But, um, yeah, so I think Leicester will be good this season. They'll have a, have a really good season. I think they'll be quite dangerous. Um, you know, there, there won't be... There won't be kind of a walk, you know. There won't be a walkover, and I think I think after Leicester won the league, um, you know, obviously winning the league, they absolutely everyone. Yeah, it was massive. I mean, it's 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 ridiculous to win at that level, you know, for someone to come out of the blue and win at that level. So I think after doing that, you know, there was kind of fear. It's never that, really. It's never. Sorry to cut you off, Bean, but yeah, it's never really happened. It's it's oh, yeah. it's never really at, at this level, at the Premier League level, it's never really happened. I mean. That's what made it such an amazing story because, yeah. you know, Leicester have been fighting for relegation for many, many years. And then 
They came yeah, they up and then, promoted, all of a, and then they come one league, yeah. They're promoted and then bang, they go bang. And, you know, everyone, I remember during that, that year, 2016, everyone was waiting for them to falter, but it just yeah. never happened. They just kept winning, drawing, winning, drawing all the way just through that campaign. Results. And uh, yeah, it was one of the most amazing things in world sport, you know, like it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing that. It was incredible, mate. Uh, so look, uh, we'll go. We'll go to uh, Man United v Wolverhampton. Now, I, f- I feel this yeah. this game was, as I said, like similar to the Chelsea game. On paper, yeah. Man United, big team. Uh, yeah, so so you know, I think with Man with Man United is is their result last week and against Chelsea kind of maybe kind of um what's the word I'm looking for um distorted what they really are. You know, because I think United are probably in the same position as Chelsea in terms of transition. Um, but obviously, they've been allowed to add players. I still don't think United are very good. I don't think they're good enough. But when they're 4-0 win at Chelsea, obviously makes them think, OK, we've turned the corner. You know, we're going to now really push on. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're going to really push on and now we're really going to get better. But to be brutally honest, I don't think, like, maybe this is people are going to accuse me for being biased here, but I don't think Harry Maguire is that good. I think he's a good he's a good defender. He'll he'll bring stability and he'll bring a bit of soli- um, solidity to the defense. But I don't think he's that I can see why you say that. He's sort of more like yeah. a he's, he's a workman like defender. Yeah, and like like I mean, you know, if if you really want to kind of be pedantic and start comparing it, you know, like if you look if you look at how England play, you know, they play with kind of three central defenders, you know, or you know they they played with um, John Stones, Harry Maguire, Carl Walker playing, you know, kind of the central defensive role. And then you look at what, what happened at Leicester last season is when you play at a club like Leicester, um, especially last season under Claude Puel, where they weren't really an, an adventurous um, football side pushing forward, you know, they play on the back foot. So they kind of, he plays his football on the edge of his box. So all he's really got to do is he's got to face players running in towards him and he's got to play, you know, kind of play the crosses coming in, you know, so, so all day, Harry, like Harry Maguire playing that all day can look really, really good. Of course, but when you move to a to a top tier team, to a top level team who plays with the ball and not so much without the ball, then it becomes a bit different because United push forward a lot. So now he's all of a sudden defending on the halfway line, as opposed to at Leicester, whereas you know at a, at a lesser club, let's put it that way, under Claude Puel, um, you know he's defending on the edge of his box. Now he's defending on the halfway line, and now I don't think he's fast enough to to you know someone plays the ball over. You know, I don't think it's fast enough to turn and then still make that cover. So I think I think that's where you'll get found out a little bit. I think I think I still think he's a good defender, don't get me wrong. Like I'm not sitting here saying he should or anything. Like I still think he's a really, really good footballer. I just don't think he's he's the be all and end all for Manchester United. I, I think I think they've got bigger problems. Um they've got massive problems. Their manager, for example, I have no idea how Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's ended up with the Manchester United manager's job. Um, to be honest. Like I like the guy. I think I think he's a nice He's nice. He's a, he's a likable fellow. You look at his face and you look at kind of, you know, his personality. He looks like a likable person. But in yeah. terms of managing Manchester United, I have no idea how he's gotten the job, you know. I mean, if they want to give someone, I mean, you know, I'd say he's probably got it because of the fact that he scored that goal in, 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 in Barcelona at the New Camp in 99, the Champions League final against Bayern Munich. What because a famous that, you know, that was. What yeah, a yeah, yeah. Like, no, famous no, was. You're going back 20 no, years ago that was yeah, probably exactly, but... now that you've mentioned that that was probably probably the first time I ever that the English Premier League caught my eye in Australia I remember yeah. Man United was always you know everyone had it like 
you know, growing up through the 90s, from probably about 96, uh, all the kids would come to school with the Man United tops. But that, that, yeah, that, I mean, that, they're the biggest commercial club in the world, right? Certainly, certainly. But that, that, that particular moment in, in, in 1999 was probably, I was 11 years of age at the time, probably yeah. the first moment I can remember, oh, wow. Like, and it was on Paytel. I think it was on, um, oh, geez, I think it was on Foxtel back, yeah. back. I think they had the coverage back then. And, and that's what I really, and then, and then it led that's into the, the early, early 2000s. That's when the Champions League. That's when the Champions League blew up all over the world, and um, I think I think that's also kind of what um what made Manchester United what they are is um is they started winning at the moment TV started becoming a thing. So like so like so at, at the moment the Premier League started selling its products to other countries in the world, you know. So people were switching on and watching English football for the very first time, and the first thing you saw was Man United winning. So that's why I think they became this massive global brand because Liverpool like I mean obviously in the 80s and the 70s Liverpool were completely dominating football but obviously a lot of our generation weren't born in the 70s and in the 80s you know like we weren't really watching yeah we weren't really watching um, English football so when the Premier League rebranded and they they, when when the English first division rebranded into the Premier League and then they started saying all right we're going to take this league and we're going to put it on TVs in the middle of South Africa in the middle of China in the middle of, you know, the USA, in the middle of Spain. We're going to start putting this product in households across the world. People switched on, and then they saw Man United starting to win, and that's what made them this monster of a club they are now. And fair play to them, you know. They've, they've ridden it well, and they've done well. But I think they've recruited, like, I mean, badly over the last couple of years. Um, but I don't want to dig too much into that, like, obviously. But I think, just going back to the Wolves game, um, I think, I think... Wolves and United are probably like United are probably just a level above Wolves at the minute. I don't think United are a top four side at the moment. And this is not me having a dig. I think them and Chelsea will probably be the two to miss out. Um, probably get pressed by Wolves, Leicester, maybe Everton, but I don't know. Everton, I think, also kind of all over the show at the minute. But Wolves and Leicester will definitely push United and Chelsea. Because um, I think United have recruited badly with the manager. You know, he's got no rec- like his only previous record in the Premier League has been relegation, and he's won the Norwegian League. I think what's it seven, eight, nine years ago? I'm not sure. So it's like, you know, I have no idea why he's gotten the like, why he's gotten the managerial role. You know, if you if you look at Steve Bruce, who was an actual Manchester United legend, who captained the club for sure. a number of years, and he's also had a few years of Premier League experience, and you know, like, so, so he's, he's had Premier League experience. He's, he's managed a few clubs. You know, same with Mark Hughes, actual Man United legend. So if you're going to, if they'd, if they'd given the job to any one of them, there would have been absolute mutiny. If, if Manchester United, if Ed Woodward had said, we're bringing in Steve Bruce or we're bringing in Mark Hughes, Man United fans would have lost their heads completely. And that would have been hiring them because of the fact that they're Manchester United legends and they've got Premier League experience. Whereas Solskjaer, they've hired him because he's a Manchester United legend but with no Premier League experience. So it's like, it doesn't make sense why they've hired him. I think, I think they're going to struggle. Um, and yeah, Paul Pogba situation. Like last night, I don't know if you saw the game. Yeah, I don't know if you saw the game last night. Um, you know, Wolves, Wolves are good. I mean, they're, they're a really good football side, especially if you play them at Molyneux. You know, not many teams are going to get good yeah. results at, at Molyneux. 
They're so like this. They're a side that they're a side that week in week out no team really wants to face. If you know what I'm saying, they're they're not oh, yeah. they're not a star-studded super kind of side. They're more they're more just like you, you get the job done week in week out type of side. And and on yeah. their day, they can really beat anyone and take it up to any side in the English Premier League. So it's that for me. It's, it's that it's that Connor Cody. Willy Bolly defensive partnership is just it's rugged, it's gritty, it's dirty, but it gets the job done. You know that's what I mean? A, yeah, like that's, that's, that's what I was elaborating to. That's it just getting the yeah. job done. Exactly right. It, it gets the job done. And then you've got that that magic of that for me, that magical trio of Diego Jota, Raul Jimenez, and Ruben Neves. Like Jao Moutinho as well is just like I've no idea how Wolves have ended up with these these players because these players are really, really good. Like the likes of Raul Jimenez, um, Diego Jota. Ruben Neves, you know, I think Jao Moutinho, like all of them could, like Ruben Neves could be at City, could be at Liverpool, you know, like, like and you wouldn't be shocked, you know, he wouldn't be out of place at those teams. So, oh, like, definitely. he's a really, 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 really good footballer. Diego Jota as well, like, maybe not at those, at, at Liverpool or City, but they could be playing at a slightly higher level. So, it's good to see Wolves really, really stepping it up. And, you know, they showed it against United, I mean, last season as well, that, they're a really good side. And I think that they are kind of on a, on a similar level to Manchester United at the minute. Um, but obviously, United will get better over time. You know, but I think, I think United just have a lot of issues because it's clear that Paul Pogba, like he, he's a good footballer, but he's, he's, he's stated explicitly that he doesn't really want to be there anymore. You know, so what do United do then? You know, like I, I, I know that commercially, it's viable to keep him at the club because he brings in much more money than he doesn't. So like more, much more money than he costs, sorry. So they could pay him whatever he wants. But the fact that, you know, he's the social media phenomenon who's got, I don't know how many Super million star. followers. Yeah, he is. And I mean, like, like you saw in the summer where he went to Japan and like he goes to Japan and like this Adidas tour to go pop some free kicks over some sumo wrestlers. And like a hundred, <laughs> not a, like, that. a, that's all he did. Yeah. Yeah, but that's literally all he did. He goes to Japan, pops some free kicks over sumo wrestlers, and there's like 50,000, 60,000 people watching that. It's ridiculous. And it's just like, that is but that's Paul. yeah, I mean, that, but that's the superstar of Paul Pogba, right? So, like, I think that's why Man United are saying, look, he doesn't want to be here, but if we lose him, it's so much revenue because he's got such a following people that are willing to buy merchandise, you know, buy jerseys, you know, um, <clears throat> watch matches, go to. You know, you want people that sell out stadiums, you know, like, like, yeah, that's when right. United, yeah, and, and Paul Pogba's that guy, like, when United played in Perth um, against Glory in the preseason. Yeah. Yep. I mean, without Paul Pogba, I don't think they sell as many tickets. I mean, I don't know how, how big Aussies are into to Paul Pogba specifically, but I think the name that is Paul Pogba is a world, it's a, it's a crowd drawer across the world. It's, it's, well, you could put it like this like, Pogba, every Aussie would have heard of him. But it's simple. Yeah. He, it's just, it's just. He's a brand. That's what it is. Pogba. Yeah. Forget, well, he's a professional athlete, professional football player, but he's a brand. It's the brand, and, and in the modern world of social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, etc., there's no doubt that he, the pack. He's the package. He's the package of, of international oh, yeah, football yeah. at the moment, and you know, um, he's an absolute. He's an absolute superstar. There's no one, other way to describe the man, and. Um, Bit of, bit of a dickhead, though, to be honest. But um, it's a good football, amazing football. Yeah. Bit of yeah, a yeah. He's, like, done, he's done some silly things in his time, but um, 
as far as the brand and the commercial aspect of him, he's uh, certainly he's doing quite well for himself. But uh, I mean, look, look, at, look at last night. Look at the football at the match last night, for example. You know, he wins the penalty, does really well to win the penalty. He shouldn't have taken it though. And I think, I think, I think, I think that's that's him kind of the whole arrogance, the whole I'm Paul Pogba, you know, kind of seniority thing that he pulls over Rashford. But when Man United win a penalty, Marcus Rashford should be taking it. It's it's just it's that simple because Paul Pogba's missed something like four in the last year, something yep. like four penalties, and like whereas Rashford scored some really massive pressure penalties for United, so I think United win that penalty, Rashford's got to take it. But because it's Paul Pogba, he pulls rank over him, takes the penalty, and he misses. So it's kind of like you absolute dickhead. What have you done? But obviously, as a Liverpool fan, you're like, fuck you. I'm really happy that he's not scored that. Um, but I mean. I'm- I'm loving this conversation. It's getting a little bit uncensored, but it's fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's excuse, fantastic. excuse the language. I, I don't know if we, I don't know if you. Excuse the this, language. Uh, it's, this is what yeah. podcasts are all about, mate. It's about being yourself and and yeah, mate. Right. And your knowledge, your knowledge is phenomenal. Phenom, phenomenal. Um, just a fan, bro. Just a fan, to be honest. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah but it's ridiculous, mate. But um, you mentioned, yeah, like I mean, as you said, like man, Man United Wolves. Obviously, the, as I said, the Wolves. You know, they're, they're not the no-frills team. They're the hard, gritty team. And they're, they're the side that no one really wants to play week in, week out because they're going to come and give their, their all. Um, and then, obviously, Man United, you know, they're the so-called superstar side. But as you say, they've got a few issues and, and you know, they're going to be struggling this year along with Chelsea. But, you know, mate? They're in a transition. Transition since Alex Ferguson left, to be honest. Um but that's how football goes, right? I mean, it's just how it is. When when you have a manager who's been around for that long, um, when he leaves, you're going to be in transition. And then obviously, that haven't worked out. I think this is just another thing that they're trying. And I personally don't see any long-term success in this United side. They've still got a few kind of, you know, they've got to go back to the drawing board a few times, rip a few plans up, kind of redo it again. They will eventually get there, but not for a while. Not for a while, mate. Not for yeah. a while. Well, now, that will bring us to the near conclusion of this podcast. Yeah. Obviously, we've spoken about all the, all the probably all the relative results from, from the round just gone, but... Forgot Arsenal, bro. Like, I, think, I, think, I think Arsenal, like, the, I mean, it's, it's easy to forget Arsenal, to be honest, because they're, you know, they're, they've kind of also been, been, been following over the last couple of years. But um, yeah, just keep it like in short about Arsenal. I think I think this year they're looking a bit better, but they've always been a good attacking side. I think they'll probably just be more of the same from Arsenal, to be honest. Um, everyone's talking like you know big talk about Arsenal because they've won their first two games. But in all fairness, Burnley at home should always be won. Um, and what was their first game? Newcastle. I think Newcastle are going down this year, so I think Arsenal should have won that game anyway. So I think I think. Arsenal, yeah, they, they look good, but I still think they're kind of going to be more of the same. So, from the teams that we've just spoken about, um, yeah. for mine, the rest of the league really just in a relegation battle, as you just said. Um, you know, like, if you're going to choose a winner and you're going to choose a relegation, what side, what side wins and what sides go down? <laughs> to be honest, like my heart says Liverpool win the league. Reality, like like more reality says Man City win it. 
Um, maybe, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I think this year we still really, really push it, but I think we probably struggled to get to 90 points this year. I think Liverpool probably finished around 87 points, which is not good enough to beat Pep Guardiola and Man City at the moment. Um, obviously, with, with things like VAR, with things like and like, you know, like maybe maybe it could turn that around and maybe pull City a bit closer to the pack. But I think City win it. Liverpool, maybe, yeah. Liverpool second. Hopefully have a good run in the domestic cups. Um, Champions League again, obviously. Um, Spurs, probably third. Um, I'll probably go Arsenal fourth. So I'll probably go, yeah, City, Liverpool, Spurs and Arsenal. And then... And on the flip side, and the bottom... Yeah, so the bottom, I think, you know, before beforehand everyone was talking about Norwich going down, but I think Norwich are a well-organized side. And I think what Daniel Farker just brings to that side as well. Like, you can kind of see how they looked at the back end of last season in the championship, the way they played. You could see that they were a side and that they, they're going to make a proper fist of staying in the Premier League. So I don't think they'll go down. I think they'll probably be the comfortable side, actually, of the new relegated side. Um, Sheffield United will struggle, but I think they'll... They'll be in a relegation battle, but I think they'll probably make it. I mean, I'm going to make a big call and say Villa's are probably going to go back down. Um, I mean, it's not, I know it's not a popular call. Everyone kind of thinks Villa's are probably going to be, you know, around 12, 13, 14. But I think Villa's are going to go down. They're going to really struggle. Um, I think Newcastle United, there's just a lot of turmoil at that club at the minute. There's a big mess going on with Steve Bruce. I don't know why they've brought him in and they've let Rafa go. And I, I mean, it's just, it's just really messy what's going on there. Then I'm probably going to say Brighton. Um, Brighton probably go down, but I think Brighton, Southampton. Well, they do well. Bro- the other one, Sheffield United. Yeah. Metro Brighton, they did extremely well in... Um, in well. To, actually, to actually get come up, you know what I mean? They've done well to do that, but staying up in the, in the top flight's always the, the difficult... One, you know, with finances, players, sponsorships, yeah, look, you know, and, and everything that goes along with coming to the top flight. Yeah, look, I think, um, like, well, so, so, I mean, Brighton had, a, had like, they, they survived just last season, right? They only survived because Cardiff were just that much more shit than them. Um, so, I, I think Brighton will definitely go down this year. Sheffield United will, will struggle, but I still think they'll, they'll have enough. They'll have enough to, to kind of survive. And I think also... The Premier League needs a few good northern clubs, you know, like they need a few clubs, like a bit more distribution around the country, because you kind of you can kind of see what's happening with Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough's gone now, Sunderland's gone, Newcastle's probably gone. So you've lost you've lost the northeast, um, which is really sad. You know, I mean, obviously the northwest will always have a stranglehold with Liverpool, Everton, Man United, Man City. It'll always have a stronghold of the Premier League. And then obviously the South, you've got Southampton, you've got um, Arsenal, Spurs, Chelsea, West Ham, Crystal Palace. So you've got a couple, a couple of clubs there, but you know, Yorkshire needs a club, you know, like we haven't had Sheffield Wednesday in a while. We haven't had Leeds United. I think Leeds United would be really good coming back into to the Premier League. Um, Huddersfield were really rubbish last year. So it would be nice to have Sheffield United um, to stay in there, just to kind of represent Yorkshire, just to kind of, you know, spread out, <clears throat> excuse me, spread out the, yeah, just to spread it out a bit, because at the minute it's like, yeah, we've got the Midlands teams in Villa and, and, and Wolves. You know, we've got the Southern teams, we've got the Northwest, but the Northeast is disappearing. I don't think Sunderland are ever coming back to the Premier League. It's going to be a long time before Middlesbrough come back and Newcastle are all but gone. Um, you know, and it would be good to kind of 
yeah, just spread it out a bit, you know. Otherwise, it's just going to become the Northwest versus the South, essentially. It's going to become Liverpool and Manchester versus London, you know. And, and it's, it's, it's almost like the uh, yeah, it's, it's almost like the, the super teams v the yeah. I know, I know exactly what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, it's it's, all, it's almost like um yeah, exactly. It's pretty much what it is. It, it becomes kind of this concentration, and you know, it would be nice to just have a proper kind of um, you know, like a proper competition and Nor- Norwich as well I mean they're, they're a good addition you know like they're like I'd love for them to stay up as well and I think they'll be a good side um yeah I mean it's it's gonna be an exciting season to be honest I think I think there's, there's a lot to look out for um a lot of a lot of kind of subplots that'll play out you know like that whole fifth and sixth battle and the whole Wolves and Leicester kind of challenge Man United and and, and Chelsea and I think I don't know. It'll be exciting. It'll be exciting either way because Wolves will have the Europa League this season, so their squad will probably be a bit more stretched. But Man United will also have the Europa League. But Man United do have more resources in a bigger squad, so they might fight Wolves off. Um, Chelsea have a bigger squad as well, so they'll fight Wolves off. Um, yeah, I mean it, it's really exciting, and it's good to see Chelsea giving um, a bit of game time to youngsters, giving the likes of uh, Mason Mount, Tammy Abraham. You know, and once Callum Hudson Odoi comes back from injury, we'll see him Ruben Loftus Cheek. So I think I think Chelsea, they're they're an exciting prospect, but I think they just need to be patient with Frank Lampard because it's going to take a while. But once it comes right, I think it'll come really really good for them. Well, mate, uh, in Tobacco Bean, mate, it's been a pleasure speaking to. Uh, well, it's <laughs> we've been going uh, forty three and a half minutes at the current minute, but um, yeah, mate, right. Seriously, it's been a great conversation about the English Premier League and obviously we're going to make this a weekly occurrence so currently we're going to make this a weekly occurrence after the round just gone and uh, obviously yeah. you know we're going to have pretenders and contenders as we go through all the week so you know you've mentioned your top four now but that might change you know there can, there can always be a shock result a change throughout the season yeah exactly yeah, exactly right. like there's, always a sh- there's always a shock result as you said two points can change everything so We'll do a segment yeah, called I mean, like, like, Pretenders and Pretenders as the weeks roll on. But, uh, yeah, mate, the podcast has been amazing. And, yeah, mate, anything you want to add? Yeah, no, I was just, just going to say, sorry, mate. I was going to say, like, like it's oh, kind right. of, you know, it's easy, it's easy riding Arsenal off, for example. But Arsenal at Liverpool this weekend, if they had to get a big result at Anfield, then obviously that kind of changes their prospects around a little bit. So, like, yeah, everything changes kind of, as we go, you know, and all it takes is one big result to kind of really galvanize a team and really push them on. So I think everyone's predictions will be changing as the league goes on. Um, you know, there's nothing that's set in stone in August. I think nothing's decided in August, but yeah, it's, it's good to see how it, go, it looks at the minute. And yeah, it's quite interesting. Well, mate, uh, as I said, your knowledge is amazing. Uh, keep doing what you're doing, mate, because it's, it's phenomenal listening and um, look, been a pleasure having a chat to you, mate. And uh, I'm looking forward to the remainder of the EPL eight, uh, sorry, 1920 campaign and, and having a chat to you weekly yeah. about the uh, weekend's games and everything that's going to happen. And obviously, we'll get to the transfer window eventually. But um, look, mate, yeah. uh, from me over in Melbourne, Australia, mate, have a fantastic week ahead of football. And mate, Cheers, uh, bro. It's always a pleasure. And enjoy the South African uh, beautiful weather, mate, because it uh, sounds like the birds are chirping, oh, the sun's dude. out, and it's time to get the guns oh, out, mate. mate so uh, yeah. enjoy the day, mate. Enjoy the day. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks a lot for the call. We know we'll chat soon, bro.
Have a good one. Take care, mate. Take care, Bean. Bye. See you, mate. Ciao. Bye. Bye.